You are listening to Kilometer Zero by the Cycling Podcast, powered by Super Sapiens, energy management for committed athletes and coaches. Hello, my name's Hugh Owen, and I'm one of the producers of the Cycling Podcast. And I'm Adam Bowie, and I'm another producer of the Cycling Podcast. And um, so perhaps, Adam, we should start by saying, where were we on Sunday? Well, Hugh, at the end of Sunday, we were at the top of Alpe d'Huez. We were, weren't we? In the beginning of Sunday, we were 103 miles away from Alpe d'Huez with three massive mountains in, in between the two points, weren't we? And it was, yeah. Uh, yeah, we were basically uh, scared senseless in a large starting pen at uh, Briançon. We were because we were there to do the Etape de Tour 2022 and we didn't know that we were that each other were doing it until a few weeks before. I think we saw, we spotted on email that we were both doing it. And so uh, Lionel suggested or asked us if we wanted to record some of our experiences. So that's what we both did individually. We kind of um, on the ride and before the ride and now we recorded some bits of audio just to kind of document our experience, our suffering. And so in this episode of Comet to Zero, that's what we're going to do. And it's going out on the day of stage 12 of the Tour de France, which is the stage that we rode. That's right. Yeah. So for those who don't know, the Etape de Tour is it's a mass participation sort of sportive organised by ASO, who are the uh, organisation behind the Tour de France. Um, it's been running since 1993 and it usually runs over a stage, a full stage, mirroring one in that year's tour. Um, they mostly seem to be in the Alps and the Pyrenees. Um, it's also actually a race. There is a winner of it. There's podium and everything. Uh, not that I think either Hugh or I were particularly uh, challenging for that. Uh, for obvious reasons, it hasn't taken place for the last couple of years. I think the last one was due to happen in, in 2020. It was due to happen in Nice. Uh, so a rare occasion away from the Alps and the Pyrenees. Um, and as Hugh's just said, this year's race um, replicates stage 12 of this year's tour. Uh, there were about 14,000 riders signed up, and uh, including your hosts here, both of which we should say we were first-timers. Absolutely. So Hugh, tell us the tale of the attack. Well, of course, and what else could we, you know, call this episode but the tale of the Etape? Um, so, the Etape du Tour 2022, 167.8 kilometres from Briançon to Alpe d'Huez. I'm doing my best Lionel impression here. Over 4,700 metres of climbing, and it was climbing right from the start with the 23-kilometre ascent of the Col du Loteret and the Col du Glibier, topping out at 2,642 metres, the highest point of the day and of this year's Tour de France. Uh, then there was the long descent to Valois, followed by a brief climb up to the Col du Telegraph, then a descent to Saint-Michel-de-Maurienne. After a section in the Maurienne Valley where riders formed into groups and small pelotons, uh, there was a touch of wheels in the group I was riding in and a crash. I just avoided it, made it feel like a real race. Uh, we, went, we then took on the enormous 29-kilometre, 5.2% average Cold de la de Fer. Now, this is where the heat of the day really began to tell with lots of riders struggling. Uh, that was followed by a long descent to the Lac de Verny in Almont. Then it was on to the Valley Road to Le Bourg d'Oison before the final climb of the day out 
d'Huez. So as we said, this will be stage 12 of this year's Tour de France, which takes place on Thursday. That's today, if you're listening today, on this day of the stage. It was also the stage that famously saw Greg LeMond and Bernardino come to the finish together in 1986, which, of course, Richard Moore wrote so brilliantly about in his book, Slaying the Badger. Um, 14,000 people signed up to ride the attack, we think. We're not sure exactly how many actually started, but I've seen estimates of around 11,000. 8,684 finished ahead of the time cut, according to the official results. The winning man was the 33-year-old Austrian Stefan Kirchmeier, former rider with Tyrol Cycling Team. He won with an overall time of 5 hours, 17 minutes, 25 seconds. It's a lot quicker than we did it. Nearly six minutes ahead of Loic Ruffo and Jacques Le Breton, who took the other podium places. The winner of the women's race was Flavia Oliveira from Brazil, with a time of six hours, 31 minutes, 58 seconds, just beating fellow Brazilian Lais Saiz by a single second on the line. But much more importantly, the cycling podcast's very own Adam Bowie came in a very respectable 3,882nd way ahead of his teammate, Hugh Owen, who rolled in in 6,722nd place. But that did include all the feed stops, so I'm going to say I spent way too long over my lunch. Anyway, that was the tail of the ATAP. Now let's hear what it was actually like to ride the ATAP. Hello, my name's Hugh Owen. I'm a producer on the Cycling Podcast, and I'm here in France, uh in the Alps, in a little village called Venosque, just outside Bourg d'Oison. And I'm here to do the Etape du Tour, which is tomorrow, starting in Briançon. Um, I'm staying at uh, a really brilliant hotel called the Hotel au Bonacoy. Very nice place, very uh, friendly, set up for cyclists. Um, actually standing in their cycling museum, which is in their kind of outhouse at the back, um, lots of cycling uh, jerseys hanging from the ceiling above my head. Must be a couple of hundred up there. Um, lots of photos and old articles on the wall. Big chalkboard with a roll of honour of Tour de France winners since 1903. Although finishes in 2019 with Egan Bernal, so they need to update the next, the last uh, couple of years. Um, I wonder who won those. Anyway, the attack is tomorrow. Um, it's going to be an early start. Um, well, it's going to be not too early for cycling. I think my wave goes off about quarter past eight, but they're going to close the roads into Briançon at 6.30, so we've got to leave here quite early. Um, I was t- talking to a cycling friend of mine who'd done, I think maybe not the attack, maybe the Marmot, and he's saying... The atmosphere going up Alp d'Huez at the end is just brilliant. Lots of people out. And I guess there will be lots of people here already for the tour stage. It's only in four days after the attack. So hopefully they'll all be on Dutch Corner already. So yeah, I'm going to try and report in as I go around the route. I'm sure there'll be lots of heavy breathing. Apologies in advance. Um, let's hope I make it round. Okay, I am here at the Le Tour d'Etape in Briançon and I'm in the village, the expo village that they have 
and it's all too real because the ride is tomorrow so I have already checked in got my race numbers I'm in the 11th pen of 14 uh, which means I start about an hour and a bit after the first riders that's only slightly worrying because that's an hour less I have to complete the course but that's the way they start these things fastest first obviously so the expo is basically an excuse to sell you a lot of things there's a lot of food venues uh, vendors selling sports nutrition goods and so on although maybe trying a new sports nutrition product on the day of the attack is not the sens most sensible thing uh, that said I will drink and eat anything I'm given at probably at the top of various mountains tomorrow so we've got three big climbs got the Col de Glibier then uh, on to the Croix de la Fer and finally Alp d'Huez and I've got to be up there by about 20 past 8 I think in tomorrow evening so about 12 hours for me to complete the course which I really really hope I can do in much less than that slight concern is that the weather it's really quite warm. Yesterday, I saw one of those public weather signs and it said 33 degrees. Um, so I'm really hoping that it's not quite that warm tomorrow. In fact, on the top of the Galibier, maybe it will be a little bit, uh, a little bit cooler. So we will see. And we had a briefing this morning. The suggestion was that maybe, maybe we should bring jackets to help us in the wind on the way down well lots of excitement here there's some BMXers riding up and down the ramps getting a nice round of applause so next time you probably hear from me I will be at the start let's see how it goes So here we are at the start. I'm in Wave 10. This is Hugh from the Cycling Podcast. About to start the Attack to Tour. Sunday, the 10th of July. Uh, had a long drive over from Borg d'Oison, a couple of hours over the Loteray, parked up in Briançon. Bit of a search for the backdrop, but we're all here now, ready to go. Um, not sure how long I've got to wait, actually. Probably about half an hour. It's very busy. Uh, I'm towards the back of Pen 10, and there's already there's all there's still people trying to squeeze in, um, but everyone's keen. There's a good atmosphere, bit of nerves in the air, bit of nerves in my tummy, um, but looking forward to it. It's a beautiful day, sunny day. It's going to be hot, I think. Not much wind. So I hope it goes well. I'll um, check in later on. It's quarter to eight in the morning and I am in my pen at the start. Palpable sense of anticipation. 14,000 odd riders. Well, a few thousand of them already set off. I'm in pen 11. I think Hugh from the Cycling Podcast is in pen 10, but I've not seen him just up the road. But we'll be setting off in about half an hour.
Santa. Just at the uh, top of the low terrain now. Just stopped at the first water stop. Uh, it's pretty well organised, really. Loads of tents with Vitel. Francois approve of Vitel. I'm not sure. I bet he'd be able to taste it, though, without seeing the label. Um, so, top of the low terrain. It's been sort of gentle spin. I'd say gentle spin. I'm pretty out of breath, but relatively gentle spin for a mountain and then I'm about to do the up to the Galibier now on the supposedly slightly easier side uh, but we'll see it doesn't look easy to me I'm looking at it now but it's an amazing sight just a stream of bikes snaking up the hairpins beautiful day blue skies the mountains see the glaciers up there gleaming away really enjoying it so uh, I'll speak to you again in a bit So we are just coming past the tunnel to the Glibier. So if you're in a car at this stage, you go that way if the road wasn't closed, obviously. Cyclists, let's go up over the top of the Glibier, which you want to do anyway, let's face it. This is a point for anywhere you get steep. And the altitude's already getting to me a little bit. Anyway, I'm going to stop talking. Top of the Galibier. Uh, 5.1, 23k, easily the longest time that a long shot I've ever done. Actually, feel like 8k. Did it in about just over 90 minutes. So now, massive downhill. Putting on the wind jacket and heading off. Okay, Citrep. <laughs> I am at the feed station, five kilometres from the top of the Croix de la Fer. Uh, descent was interesting. Some real speed demons who overtake you on any which way you like, but uh, descent off the Galibier was awesome, really. Uh, then there was a long stretch through the valley. Well, you go up the te- uh, to the Telegraph as well, which is, but it's not really a climb from this side. And you come down that, and then there's a long stretch through the valley. Uh, got in a nice little uh, chain gang for that. A random group of people. At least one Brit, but lots of French people in it, I think. Should note, actually, you can't really tell. All the uh, numbers have little flags on them, and the flag is supposed to indicate which country you're from. However, my flag is French, so I get lots of people speaking to me in French, which uh, isn't totally helpful. Anyway, it is currently, check this one, 10 past two. Five kilometers, as I say, to go to the Croix de la Fer. I can see it looming above me. So, let's crack on, then it's downhill flat a bit and into the Alp Duez. Uh, Oh, and it's hot. I mentioned how hot it is. Jesus, it's hot. (laughs) 
um, random people at the side of the world helping out with water, but I've just sort of drunk about two bottles just sitting in this uh, feed zone before I go out with two more full bottles. Anyway, onwards and very much upwards. All right. I'm checked in for a while, but probably tell it's getting quite hot now. I'm on the Cold La Quad Fair. Probably not even a third of the way up. It's now super hot. Probably 30 ish. I think it's meant to be hotter next week when the tour comes through. So, did the Glibier, came down the Glibier. I think I probably won the slowest descent prize for the day. What was it Tom Dumoulin said about, I can't remember who, in the Giro in 2018 when they were trying to chase Chris Froome. He descended like my grandmother. Terrible Dumoulin impression. Well, I was like the great-great-grandmother. Passed by a lot of people. But made it to the bottom. Um... Did see a couple of nasty spills on the way down the Telegraph, which is a very fast uh, flowing descent, not too steep, so maybe a bit deceptive. A couple of bloodied limbs, but I think people are okay. And then down the Telegraph, down the valley, where it turned into, I'd say, cross headwind. And there was a lot of groups forming, disintegrating, forming again. That bit was quite fun, actually. That gave you, of all the bits today, that gave you sort of the taste of what the pros do. Because the rest of it has just been survival. Anyway, quite a fur. It's a beautiful climb, but hot. And then up over this, down to Borg d'Oison and Alpe d'Huez. So I'll check in on Alpe d'Huez. Bye. Oh, Croix de la Fer, done. Just over 2,000 metres altitude. Now I'm hoping for a long downhill before we do the Alp. Oh. Oh, so nearly there. I'm on Alptewes. I'm on Dutch Corner. Uh, Dutch fans are just starting to arrive, I think. There's a few camper vans here. Sound system's getting pumped up, handing out water. It's a very, very hot day. And it's been a really great day. This last bit is pedal stroke by pedal stroke. I think I might, next time if I do this, I'll bring a, a 32. That's going to be my motto of the day. It's been a fantastic day. Great atmosphere among all the riders. And that's it. Let's get to the top. the tap done four meters short four and a half thousand meters 167 kilometers 
finishing on the top of Alpe Tires, which was a lot harder than when I do it in Zwift <laughs> and took me a lot longer. Uh, although, granted, when I do it in Zwift, I don't normally do two other equally as big, if not bigger, mountains before I tackle Alpe to Zwift. So maybe that has something to do with it. But yeah, finished it in, uh, I don't know exactly my time. Um, definitely when I look at the numbers on the bibs of the people around me, I caught up quite a few people. On the other hand, some people passed me, definitely. And because it's quite a flat finish, so the finish is pretty much as it is in the Tour de France. And if you remember, it's kind of, it was a bit of a sprint finish. So I sprinted, no need. And then there's a rise at 50 meters to go and oh, your legs really tell you about that, don't they? But yeah, I've got, now got the medal to prove it. And uh, that's one off the bucket list. Great fun. Uh, maybe next time choose a very slightly easier stage. I think that's gotta be like one of the hardest you could possibly do. Chapeau, Adam, not not for finishing, but for remembering to record something after the finish, because I completely forgot to record something. I was so fried. Well, look, chapeau, Hugh, as well, because um, you did finish, and I think so many people didn't, including some of my uh, colleagues who were riding with me, and so many bodies we saw strung out on the road on uh, the two sort of final, cl- both two of the final climbs. Um, but but what what were your what are your overall thoughts after doing your first uh, attack? Um, why did I do it? Why did I put myself through it? No, I think it was it was such a brilliant experience, wasn't it? Um, first of all, because riding with that many people I'd never done before. So um, obviously in my in my mind I thought it was sixteen thousand who signed up, but it, it was less than that. But it felt like that many people. Um, especially at the beginning in the pens and then riding with that kind of line of of riders snaking up all those amazing passes and it was a gorgeous day wasn't it it was blue skies and you know glaciers glistening and the whole thing it was, really was spectacular um so so doing that and having those closed roads was a real privilege wasn't it yeah absolutely and i've got to say the people on the side of the road were brilliant as well i mean there were some quiet bits but you had from crazy Danes and Dutch fans who were already getting themselves in place sort of last Sunday for the Thursday uh, stage proper. But you just had lots of regular folk, maybe they were plus ones or families of some of the contestants, but they would they were just sort of allay, 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 and they'd read your name on your bibs. We all had bibs and little flags on I think I said my mine had a French flag so they all thought I was French but uh, you know don't worry about that too much but you just had had that kind of camaraderie and you know you're just chatting to people sort of you've never met before in your life ex, you know exchanging looks as we grind up at sort of 10% in 36 38 degree even heat um, but it was nonetheless it was just extraordinary and then right at the finish you know you had people hammering the hoardings you know as everyone finished in as though you were winning a sprint in the Tour de France even if you were finishing several thousand places down as both of us were 
Did you manage a little sprint at the end? I absolutely did. Yeah, I opened it up. And then, um, as, as everyone will no doubt see when whoever wins today's stage, um, there is a little bump at about 50 metres and you suddenly feel it. You know, having thought, oh, this is flat. I'm just big gear going for it. And then, and also realising actually that they're handing out medals about one metre past the uh, stop line. So you really have to screech the brakes on. But yeah, I did there sprint. Wasn't- <laughs> there wasn't that kind of runoff they get in the Tour de France where they kind of get grabbed by one of the soigneurs and kind of held up. It was just like you went over the line, full pelt, and then there was somebody in front of you handing you a medal. I know, so no, put no time on. for that super slow-mo motion where you raise your hands in the air or so on. But uh, No, yeah. none of that. It, and yeah, I agree. The, pe- the, the people were amazing. And did you see, um, well, there were two things. Did you see the, the one of the Dutch fans on Dutch Corner hosing people down? Did, he, did you get hosed I down? I absolutely got hosed down and I welcomed every gla- uh, drop of water. Um, uh, any, there were so many locals and people fishing stuff from, you know, some of the villages. So there were official stops and you can fill up with water, but there are lots of unofficial places as well. And people would just have hose pipes and taps running and um there was some guy who was sort of just standing there with cups of extremely cold water offering to pour them over your head so i cycled straight over to him had a cup thrown over me it was enormously welcome in that heat and there was the farm wasn't there on the quadifer just before the last part of the summit and the the woman who ran the farm got all her kids running in and out of the farmhouse bringing out cold water and there was a line when I was there. There's a line of about fifty really hot, suffering cyclists waiting there with bidons to have them filled up by these kind of like five and six year old French kids who are having the time of their life. I think. Oh, and it was fa- it was fantastic. And you know, sometimes they'd stick their hands out, and you could high five them as you go along if you had the energy to do it. But actually, all those things, you know, just when you're maybe feeling a little bit down, you know, you suddenly that will suddenly lift your spirits and you raise it. And you try and raise a smile depending on how close you are to sort of near death or something but uh, but yeah it was it was just an extraordinary experience and uh, I'd absolutely do it again how about you I'd, I'd definitely do it again um if you'd asked me like up till about two hours after the race I would have said no and I would have sold you my bike uh <laughs> there and then for a good price but now no you know a few days afterwards yeah absolutely i'm sort of addicted to it now so I'm, i really can't wait until october until the next tour presentation to see where it's going to be um do you want some stats yes please some yes, stats? yes right yes, okay so my garmin told me afterwards that i got through 4622 calories 8000 millimeters of sweat came out of my body uh the average temperature was 27 degrees but the max on mine was 40 oh wow so you take that with a little bit of pinch of salt because uh you know that was one peak and that could have been in a you know a, a, next to a, a really hot rock with no breeze but 40 degrees was severe and it felt like that at times didn't it yeah i mean that trumps my i looked at mine i got to there were plenty of 36s and i got to 38 but um 40 is you know extraordinary and i know with you it's a hot time i my my garmin told me i um i sweated seven liters of water uh, or sweat loss i should say um and i'm not sure even though i drank probably more than uh, definitely way more than any bike ride i've ever had in my life before i don't think i actually got through another seven liters to make up for it maybe a couple of beers at the end helped uh, rebalance me I burned 6,182 calories, which um, is definitely a record for me. 
Um, yeah, and the average temperature from Eve was 27 as well. So, um, yeah, it, it was uh, it was quite a monumental effort. And my sort of bike computer gave me a lot of records at the end uh, for sort of longest, highest, furthest kind of uh, stats. Okay, so so the important stat then, Adam, you did it in. Well, I did it in nine hours and 27 minutes and 42 seconds. And that includes about 30 minutes of uh, stop time because my moving time was almost exactly 30 minutes slower than that. Chapeau. I did it in 10 hours, 54 minutes and seven seconds. But that did include a, a three-course lunch uh, at the top of the quite a fair. Um, what do you think for Thursday? What's, what's, oh. um, well, who's going to win Thursday and what are they going to do it in? I- well, that's a great question because I've uh, I caught a little bit of today's race. So obviously, Tade's got a little bit of catching up to do. But I think it's going to really depend on the heat, you know, and just how hard they race those first those first climbs. Because um, so this is it. What if you were kind of we've done the recon now? So what would you be telling them? What would you tell you? Uh, I th- I think I think you have to temper up the cold of Galibier, definitely. Just don't don't burn your bridges too early on, um, because they'll be starting later than us. We we did start early morning, so that was the only cool uh, climb of the day, if you like. Uh, they'll be going faster than us, of course. I think that the Croix de Fer is the place for someone really to set things on fire in in the stage. Yeah, I, agree. I think you could really go away there and just shake the entire race up. I agree. And I think Pog is going to come back and I think he's going to get around four hours 50. There you go. <laughs> that's, that? that's that's like 20 minutes faster than the fastest guy uh, on, on Sunday. Exactly. That. Actually, yeah. I've, yeah. I've, I've, I've not been very kind to him there. He's probably quicker than that. So let's say four <laughs> hours 30. It's going to be a quick day. Um, and would you, would you do it again? Yeah, absolutely. I th- I suspect that's one of the harder ones. That's what I'm telling myself. So I th- I would hope that next time it may be not quite as many climbs. Um, but but that said, it was just fantastic to do. I'd never ridden an out before this um, this week, and um, you know, living in the southeast of England, we don't have too many long climbs, and it was just a phenomenal experience, and I loved every minute of it, even however painful. It was. It was wonderful. I was thinking that if we do it again, we should get um, we should get a cycling podcast team together because you know Mitch, Lionel, Ian Boswell. Yeah, Lizzie can't definitely. do it because she's a pro, so she's not allowed. <laughs> Tom Wall- Tom Wally's a very decent rider, isn't he? So you know, absolutely. Let's get a team together. We'll get a one, two, three. I believe I believe we have a kit supplier in place as well. So you know, yeah, let's go for it. Cheers, Adam. Okay, thanks very much, Hugh. The Cycling Podcast was created in 2013 by Richard Moore, Daniel Freed, and Lionel Burney. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. 
you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.